Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Give the gift of the best authentic Greek olive oil this Christmas, Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Imported directly from the Zordo's family gardens in Greece, this gourmet olive oil will be the best one-of-a-kind gift for any chef, foodie, friend, or family member in your life. This gift can be enjoyed all year round. Visit www.zordosoliveoil.com. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, December 18th, 2019, and you are tuned into HTM Sports right here, presented by the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. This week we're presented by Zordos Olive Oil, as well as manscaped.com. Stick around for the biggest balls of the week. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the ring announcer. I, I, I'm pretty sure i got to find a couple other things I can throw in there. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that part of the beat of me. Rick Victory back in hashtag HTM Sports. And we, we've got a hell of a run. What an incredible weekend. we got ahead of us. Are, are, are you ready to go bowling, Gargo? Yeah. The season is here. We're yeah. kicking it off. You betcha bowl season starts off on Friday. I already got my pick them in at work. I'm getting ready to do my pick them in the HTM Sports Group Challenge. Hopefully I do better than I've been doing in my NFL picks here the last couple of weeks. I've just, you know, what it is is I'm just slacking off so somebody else can win this thing. That's clearly what's going on because the last three weeks have just been awful for me when it comes to picks. It's been awful inside of the NFL if you've been a, a favorite team too. There's been an awful lot of upsets this season. Do you remember a season with this many upsets? Like every week we're talking about this. Well, I mean, this, I guess, you know, around the league itself, but, you know, first talking about, you know, our pick'em challenges. Yeah, of course, we've had a great time throughout the season. We have just a couple weeks left. It's, it's getting down to grind time in the hashtag HCM Sports NFL Pick'em Challenge. And I, I was catching fire there, but last week I just – I shit the bed. I mean, that's the only explanation there. I didn't. I didn't hit one afternoon game on Sunday. I went over, uh, which has essentially eliminated me from the running. I, I have like 16 games to make up with 32 to go, so I, I'm down and out. But I, now I'm looking forward to. We're changing gears. We're going into the hashtag HTM Sports. Hashtag HTM Sports is going bowling. That's what the that's what the league is called. You pick all the bowls. We don't have any spreads. Any. Weights, favorites, however you want it. You just pick the straight up thing. Uh, we're going to line them up, knock them down, and see who's standing at the end. And I got a feeling. I got a feeling. I got a good feeling. Since I tanked there in the in the NFL, just like the Buckeyes, this Buckeye will be standing tall at the end of the year. Also, one more thing I've got to plug here off the top of the show that Huckleberry, you don't even know about yet. There is going to be an all-new show coming to Hameen Media, and it's going to be called... Hitting the playoffs 
with myself and Stevie Richards. We, we've been talking about doing an NFL show forever. We're going to get together. We're going to do a full NFL playoff preview, break down all the teams, look at all the matchups, kind of give you our predictions as we go forward. Stevie's a huge NFL fan. I'm really, really looking forward to doing this show. So that'll be coming your way here in just the next couple of weeks. Huckleberry, we got to start things off before we jump into the regular HTM sports show today. And we got to talk about Hayden Fry. Now, I realize I'm from Iowa, and I hesitated in even putting this thing on the run uh, because I wasn't sure how relevant this was going to be to the rest of the country, if anybody outside of Iowa would necessarily care. And then I looked at this coaching tree and the coaching tree that Hayden left behind and how it has affected college football over the course of the last 40 years, and it's just absolutely insane. We're talking names like Bob Stoops. Barry Alvarez, Bill Snyder, Brett Bielema, Dan McCarney, Mark Stoops, Bo Pelini, Jay Norvell, and of course, Iowa's own Kirk Ferentz. It's crazy to me that in my lifetime, we have had two head football coaches at the University of Iowa in 40 years, which is just insane. Hayden Fry, 143, 89, and 6 at Iowa. Uh, 96, 61, and 5 in the Big Ten and in the 80s. That was just an outrageous record. Overall, between Iowa, North Texas, and SMU, 232, 178, and 10. He was the National Coach of the Year in 1981, went into the Hall of Fame in 2003, and the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame in 2010. And Rick, those are just accolades. There are so many stories about Hayden Fry. The Tiger Hawk logo that everybody throughout the country knows. As soon as you see that logo, you know that it's for the University of Iowa. Even if you don't know any of the players, if you've never watched a Hawkeye game, that Tiger Hawk is so recognizable. That Tiger Hawk was not adopted until 1979. Hayden Fry brought that with him. Uh, Hayden Fry completely changed the uniforms. He actually contacted the Rooney family, who owns the Pittsburgh Steelers, and said, hey, is it okay if we basically copy your uniform and apply it at the University of Iowa? The Rooneys were like, yeah, sure. So now we have the Hawkeye uniforms as we know them now. He was the first guy to bring psychology and like psychological warfare into football when he painted the visiting team's locker room pink because it's a calming color. And, you know, so he was hoping that teams would come out flat playing there against Iowa. He's also responsible for the swarm when everybody comes out together all holding hands like that. That was a Hayden Fry thing. It's ridiculous looking at his effect on college football over the last 40 years. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely, Jar. You start off there and you're questioning the, the importance and the impact if it would be felt, you know, nationally, worldwide. You know, anybody that has, you know, that focus on college football or football itself. Absolutely. I don't, know, I don't even know why you would question yourself there. I mean, we're talking about somebody who was an innovator, who was so in, influential in guiding not just the direction of so many young student athletes, not so many aspiring coaches, but the game itself, uh, the list of accolades that you, that you read off there. It just goes on and on and on. And one thing that you also mentioned, how incredible it is that in your lifetime, Hawkeyes fan that you've only had two head coaches and you make that parallel with the Steelers in our lifetime that the Steelers have only had, you know, three head coaches. So, I mean, that kind of, it, it lets you know that, you know, what he embodied, that it, it sense of important and commitment and direction that was instilled in him through other programs, you know, where he could see that greatness and apply that to his direction, his course and in, in that growing tree 
that has expanded through all of football and what it has meant there. But absolutely uh, a legend, a living legend right up until his passing. Uh, but he will continue to live on in the lures of college football forever and ever. A, tr- a tremendous loss to our society, uh, but so much that we were able to gain from them. Little fun fact in there as well, you know, just not inside sports, but culturally the impact that he had, uh, he kind of inspired the the main character behind the show, Coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hayden Fox yep. was uh, was dubbed, you know, named after him and inspired the character a bit itself. Just to express a little bit how over Hayden Fry was in the state of Iowa, they wanted him to be a senator. Like, they wanted him to run for freaking Congress when he retired from being the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Just absolutely crazy, insane stuff. He was also very good friends with the Bush family, being from Texas. And that was really where everything kind of kicked off for the Iowa football program. Because Hayden, being a Texas man, he recruited the state of Texas like there was no tomorrow. And that's what really turned this program around. Uh, first two seasons were losing seasons, and after that, it was just 10-win season after 10-win season. Hell, at one point, the University of Iowa Hawkeyes were the number one football team in the country under Hayden Fry, which is just absolutely insane. You you talk about the contacts and, you know, his reach into Texas where, obviously, he's born and his roots were at, uh, you know, a part, you know, a head coach of one of the most famed high school programs of all time down there in Odessa. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's through there that he begins his contact, his his lifelong, you know, his the friendship relationship with the great uh, Bear Bryant. I mean, you, you just talk about, you know, everything that, that he's had with him and that he's kind of been involved with and played a major role in help sculpting inside this this fine sport. Absolute royalty. Rest in peace, good sir. Hayden Fry, gone at the age of 90. So Huckleberry, let's let's shift. And I want to talk a little bit about some teams that are not going to be in the playoffs. And I want to talk about some quarterbacks that are going to be in the NFL next year. Um, Everybody's looking for the next Drew Brees. Everybody's looking for that next Tom Brady. The all-time touchdown record has been set by Drew Brees, even though Tom Brady still holds the total record when you consider playoffs and everything. Brees only plus three over Brady for regular season touchdowns. This could be fun, man. This could end up being like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. You know, back in the day when they were just going back and forth, trading boards. Breeze was a round two, number 32 pick in the draft. Tom Brady, of course, round seven, pick number 199. Uh, as you look at some more of the, the big name quarterbacks inside of the league right now, Russell Wilson, round three, pick number 75. Lamar Jackson, the number 32 pick in the first round. Rick, here's a list of quarterbacks drafted number one. Since 2007, the first quarterback taken in the draft. Since 2007, Jamarcus Russell, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Sam Bradford, Jake Locker, Andrew Luck, EJ Manuel, Blake Bortles, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Mitchell Trubisky, and Baker Mayfield. Rick, we're overvaluing these college quarterbacks, and you know what it is? There's so much talent around them. I was looking at this morning at a mock draft. Do you realize that 16 of the first round picks are going to come from one of these final four schools or Alabama? 16 of them. Joe Burrow looks great when he's throwing to two NFL wide receivers and he's got an all NFL offensive line in front of him and a great NFL halfback behind him. And then he gets drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals and they stink. Are we overvaluing these like big name college quarterbacks? No, I, 
in a sense, I, I completely agree with you. But I think in a bigger in a bigger scope here, uh, when we look back at this, as you're going at that list, you know, a lot of people would start cringing and they'll start pointing out the flaws and why they why they couldn't make that transition from college to the pros. And far too often, we're putting the blame on the player, the talent, that individual. That should not be the case. You know, here, you know, I'm last couple of weeks I've been doing the show here from Cincinnati. I, I'm regularly having this debate with individuals. You see it, and you know, I'm out and about, and I constantly am getting, man, I can't wait. You know, don't really want to root for the Bengals to lose, but we got to hold on to that number one pick so we get thrown. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, I said, you, you honestly, in all good faith, in all good conscience, you're going to tell me that you believe selecting that player right there, John Burrow at number one quarterback, is going to come in and fix any of the problems inside of this terrible, terrible franchise, top to bottom, absolutely rotten. Do you, you think, do you think the LSU Tigers could beat the Cincinnati Bengals right now? Because I bet you it'd be a hell of a game. No, absolutely not. I, I'm never going to buy in, in, into that. We're talking about professional caliber across the board. Uh, well, uh, they are the select, Cincinnati Bengals. A handful of select, select athletes there. But absolutely, you know, it, to me, and everybody's all over, oh, you can't pass up on a quarterback like that. Yeah, you, did, you are right. He is incredible. You know, you got here on the run, you know, we're talking about the, the value of taking him at number one and you have these different tiers. I think he is the top tier. Everyone else. Then we could start talking about the second, third tier. He is putting he is putting on a show out there demonstrating he has all the tools to perform at a top level in the NFL. With that being said, that is not going to happen with a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not going to happen with a team like the Miami Dolphins, like the New York Jets, like the Washington Redskins. I mean, anywhere that he could land there in those top picks, he is destined for failure because those franchises are proving right now that they are not prepared to build up around him. You know, I will keep going back to this. Cincinnati Bengals. We go get number one from Ohio State. Bolster the defense. We should, one of the few good things going right on this team here is the front line of that defense. We can add a little bit more talent, a little bit more pressure. That elevates them. Now you're getting yourself in the ball games. You're not spending the same money on a number one as you as a number one defensive uh, end as you are on a quarterback. So that gives you more cap space to play with here. You start nagging things moving around. You need to build up within before you're making these blockbuster moves at number one. This is why I've been screaming for months now, years if you will. I've had it with the draft. We have the cap in place. You know, they, we have all these different contract structures where people are getting paid, and now the system that's beginning to screw people where they know they can get these young kids for these five, seven-year deals before they go get that major paydays, and then they're tossed to the side here. What is the point of it? it? Why can't a team that's ready to invest in someone young like that that's had success that can put them in a spot to provide for the league long-term financially as a whole, put them in a spot where they can succeed? That's an interesting point. Let's talk a little bit about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow won the Heisman this past weekend. Kind of a big story inside the world of college football, if you still buy into the running back and quarterback awards. So I did not realize this, but Joe Burrow claims to be from OHIO. Rick, he gave that very, very emotional speech. It was a great speech. You know, at the Heisman, and he, he talked a lot about Ohio. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Joe Burrow genuinely wants to be the starting quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. I Listening to that speech and his love for Ohio, I get it. He's a fraud. He's an absolute 
poser. He's not from Ohio. Did you know this? Joe Burrow, you know where he's from? Ames fucking Iowa. He's a goddamn cyclone. Yeah, that's right. Lived there for seven years. Yeah, his dad was an assistant coach at Iowa State. And then, you know, he relocated to Ohio. But don't be trying to blow this smoke up my ass, Joe Burrow. I know that you are not from the OHIO. No, no, no. You come on here. This is where he blossomed. This is, I mean, he would have been lost. We wouldn't even be talking about him if it wasn't for the good fortune of his family being relocated to the great state of the OHIO. I mean, this is where he boomed. This is where he discovered football or where it discovered him. You know, one of the finest states. You know, I've always put this state over being the hotbed of independent pro wrestling. Well, hell, we're right up there for, for high school football. You're right. We're constantly in the top four, top five. That's This is where he boomed. This is where he blossomed. And he's ready to get back to this state. But come on. Come on. I, I've told you before, growing up here, playing high school football, flying towards college football, and he always had that, that dream, that conversation. Man, catch that break. Go pro. Even living here, we always said there's, we would hold out. There's no way we would sign with the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, you know, he, then, he, he also said that he wanted to go to Ohio State, and then he transferred to LSU. So, you know. Well, a- absolutely. I mean, why would you sit and have room, unfortunately? I mean, look how oh, good he is. is. Look, look how good Look how good he is. And we didn't even have room on this roster at the time for him. I mean, that doesn't tell you – that doesn't lend to how stacked this program is. But, you know, hey, and when he went out there – Absolutely an incredible speech. Uh, the impact that it has had on the community up there where he grew up around Plains and all He's that. He's raised I mean, almost $400,000 for the food pantry up there. Absolutely. And and that is that is incredible. But, you know, those are the things you say for the camera. And, hey, and, and that's right. And, you know, that's another good selling point with him. And that's what's going to be so like a turn on for these teams. He knows how to handle himself with the press. He knows mm-hmm. how to be professional. Uh, he's articulate. He looks good. He looks the part. Advertisers are going to be jumping all over this thing. And then, you know, that goes back to a further point of mine. If you're, you know, any, you're at Reebok, Nike, uh, AE, Yum Brands, whatever. We got a hot brand here. You want him going to Cincinnati Bengals? You were going to invest millions in a four-year deal with him, and he has wasted halfway through the second year of his deal because there is a Swiss cheese offensive line in front of him yeah and that's the thing you know is i'm looking at joe burrow and i'm like he's gonna go to cincinnati and he's gonna suck you know and and, and then i'm looking at guys like you know justin herbert tua jake Fromm down at georgia jacob easton out at washington like those are the upper echelon of quarterbacks that are going to be available and I'm looking at this second tier of quarterbacks, Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest, Kellen Mond out of A&M, Steven Montez out of Colorado, Jordan Love at Utah State, KJ Costello at Stanford, Nate Stanley at Iowa. It wouldn't surprise me at all if one of these guys falls into the, you know, the second, third round and ends up having a much better career than Joe Burrow because, you know, they ended up going to the San Diego Chargers or the St. Louis Chargers or the Los Angeles Chargers or wherever the hell the Chargers end up. Well, actually, I, I heard, you know, I was talking we were talking before we went on the air here. Uh, just past week, it's being reported that about 85% of the attendance out there in L.A. for that Chargers game was from Minnesota. I mean, freaking Minnesota's traveling there. I mean, it's understandable when we saw that happen with Green Bay with Pittsburgh. But freaking Minnesota, 
the whole city's uplifting and heading out there. Well, you know, the Lakers left Minnesota for L.A. and the Vikings, you know, there was a lot of talk that they were going to leave Minnesota for L.A. Evidently, the fans were all fucking for it. Well, you you laughed it off. You know, you kind of what a joke. What a joke for the Chargers. Put the spin on it, baby. It is great for tourism. Tourism. You got eight times a year. You got all these other cities taking over your town to come to a football game. That's a great move there. Chargers are banking out there. They just need the opponents to do it for them. But we're talking about you know, look at all the quarterbacks that you named here and with the potential. And who is going to be – it's almost obviously you're going to miss that big payday. But if, but if we look long down term. the road, we look long term, we make those comparisons. You look at people like a Dan Marino, a Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, who on draft day, during that draft, you know, because you know, that's back when we had this thing would go the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just starting to feel sorry for him. That poor kid, he's missing out. What are these teams thinking? It continues to fall and fall and fall. And someone like the case of Aaron Rodgers, oh, shit, he just what happens to fall in the laps of the Green Bay Packers, a team that is renowned for greatness. Title Town, the damn trophy's named after their legendary coach. He's coming in to, to ultimately replace one of the all-time greats, a Hall of Famer, Brett Favre. Yeah, well, I mean, look at look at what he's making now. Look what he's accomplished. As yeah. opposed to, you know, a Carson Palmer that had everything, the make of an Aaron Rodgers. Could you imagine swapping those two spots out? Carson Palmer ends up in a situation like Green Bay, and you put Aaron Rodgers, who had to sit around for just a, a few Hell, I mean, they were over the top for us, but, you know, in the grand picture, average years for a franchise. I hear it all the time here being partially in a Chicago market. There's an awful lot of Bears fans here. They took Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. You put Patrick Mahomes in Chicago, you think he's playing like he is in Kansas City? You think you put Mitchell Trubisky in Kansas City, you think that he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes? That's what he People always, oh, I can't believe, you know, we passed up on this player. We passed up on this player. Well, you know, you know that's great. You know, I, all the time I hear, oh, they passed up on Bo Jackson. Like, well, yeah, then, you know, he, we probably wouldn't be ever talking about Bo Jackson at the end of the year in Cincinnati or, you know. Lamar Jackson doesn't go to Baltimore and have Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator. Maybe nobody even knows who Lamar Jackson is. You know, it, it's just, it's crazy how these things work out. Get rid of the draft. It's garbage. These are teams that I think are in search of a quarterback in 2020. And I have it broken down into three categories. Teams that clearly need a quarterback. Teams that probably should get a quarterback. Teams that don't necessarily need a quarterback, but should probably start looking at drafting one. Oh, yeah, and then I have the Cleveland Browns. So (laughs) they're in their own fucking category. Category one, teams that absolutely need a quarterback. Huckleberry, let me know if you disagree. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos, the Carolina Panthers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, a couple of these is because of free agency. Jameis Winston is a free agent. Marcus Mariota is a free agent. Phillip Rivers is a free agent. Uh, Absolutely. And I would go even further to say, in maybe a few cases here, uh, you've seen some some flashes of the right direction. One that really pops out to me that, you know, coming out of the gate this year, they were leading in so many statistics and just kind of fell off the Carolina Panthers. Uh, But I think overall for the majority of these teams, outside of the need of a quarterback and, you know, big play from that position, you need a direction. Yeah. And I mean, you could start it. You could start anywhere and start rebuilding. I mean, that's how bad these teams are right now. 
teams that arguably need to take a quarterback this season. The Washington Redskins, the Detroit Lions, the Indianapolis Colts, the Oakland Raiders, because I really think they're going to cut ways with Carr, the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky, the Steelers, and the Titans, uh, assuming that they don't bring Ryan Tannehill back. Even if they keep Ryan Tannehill, they may want to think about taking a quarterback. Category number three, I have the Packers, the Patriots, and the Saints. All teams that have their quarterback, but you know, they should probably look at starting to draft, you know, the follow-up for Aaron Rodgers, the follow-up to Tom Brady, the follow-up to Drew Brees. They're not getting any younger. And then there's the Browns with Baker Mayfield, and I'm just starting to wonder if that's just a lost cause. Uh, I, I think, you know, again, you, you got all the talent in the world, though. Baker, he comes in so young. There's so much pressure on his shoulders here. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. He's in that sophomore slump. Obviously, you see that time and time again. Again, it's a bigger picture here, and which has been very surprising and disappointing uh, to all my friends up north, to, to the Browns Nation and all that, the dog pound, is that they've made a statement that they plan on retaining Freddie Kitchens, which to me I hope is just lip service to get through the end of the year so that, that to try to keep all of the personalities on this team together. To you know, So if that doesn't implode, I mean, that's your main focal point, to keep that together, you know, because we keep hearing, you know, about about Beckham Jr. and all this, you know, he he potentially might want out. Other players, you're starting to hear rumblings about. They might be just trying to keep everything calm right now, but they just gotta they're gonna you know cut the head off of this thing. You need to go out there and get a, at this point. I don't know who. I don't know who's going going to invest their time and effort into this franchise. But it sure as hell is not Freddie Kitchens. You got to find someone else, another another captain to guide this ship. Any of these teams that you just you completely disagree. Redskins, Lions, Colts, Raiders, Bears, Steelers, Titans. All those teams have got to be looking for a quarterback, right? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, when we're looking at all of those, and right now, I mean, what better time than now? I mean, you have got depth at the quarterback position in this draft. Uh, why risk it? Why it's there? And it's easy because you got all you got all these comparisons. You, you put a great deal of attention in your scouting into this. you got so many to compare from, so many to choose. Put something in the cupboard right now for some of these teams, obviously. And then... And you do have a little bit of time to wait with some of these teams, but if, if you could get, you know, if, if there's some way, I mean, could you imagine, you know, like somebody like the Bears, if they could pull something to jump up into those top picks and they could land somebody like a Burrow, where it seems that the Bears do have so many of those pieces around them, you know, and they're just missing a bit here or there to be serious contenders. Well, I mean, even if they could move up, you know, to, you know, like the top 10, and even if you just end up getting like Jacob Easton out of Washington, who I, I really, really like that kid. Nobody's talking about him because he plays at freaking Washington and their time slot absolutely sucks and they play in the pack. But I really think that of all these prospects, he might end up being the best one. Put him up in Chicago and see what happens. I don't know if Nagy's going to be back next season, though. Yeah, and I mean, but you're still retaining those and people and that job there. People are going to want that thing. Yeah, I think so, too. That roster is is better than how they have played this year. Absolutely, you know, and it's it, you know, it's make that comparison. That, you know, teams looking for coaches. When you talk about somebody like an Urban Meyer, you know, that high profile, or a Jim Harbaugh, they're going to want to step into a position where they're prepared to win. They're not there to rebuild where they're set for failure. Like well, you've mean, seen somebody like a Saban. The Bears have three options, right? Either Trubisky goes, Nagy goes, or they both go. 
But I'm I'm not sure necessarily what the best option is. I guess I would probably vote for they both go. There's a lot of people that really seem to think that Mike Nagy is this offensive genius, and I just I haven't seen it. And and you go, you bring up other teams, you know, obviously Pittsburgh. Do you you roll the dice with what you have there? And then I mean, look what they look what they've been able to provide. You, you've seen flashes from from Rudolph. Uh, the duck has been. He's he's holding you in there. Obviously, you are planning on. You know, I made the prediction multiple times. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is going to be next season's comeback player of the year. Yeah, he's going to come with that ultimate chip on. You know, he's going to come in with what you expected this year would be from him. That if chip he, on the shoulder. He needs to lay off the booze, man. Did you see Ben Roethlisberger at that game the other night? He looks like he was blown up. It's Ben, man. Ben having Ben. Well, and he <laughs> knows, like, ben I don't have to be in shape until, like, August of next year. So, you know, the season's lost. I'm just, fuck it. I'm going to get drunk. But you're expecting a, a, a good comeback from him there. So it, I would say probably out of those that I would maybe move up into that, man, we have got to start moving, would be Washington. But, again, you come down to that thing where your franchise is just such a disaster. Where do you start? If you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you can talk him into moving his family from San Diego, do you take Phillip Rivers over any of these kids that are going to be available inside of the NFL draft? Because I think Phillip Rivers is going to be available. I I think the Chargers have to move on at this point. And he'll either retire or he'll relocate, but he's always said that he doesn't want to move his family out of San Diego. Would you take Phillip Rivers if he was was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come to Cincinnati? You know, I, th- I think this is really going to come down to the market and the desire and, and want for Rivers and who can make a play for him here. And absolutely, who are the Bengals going to be committed to taking at that number one pick? Right. Uh, absolutely. I, I really believe, you know, I'm not thinking, that, you know, everything should be for young, but I think, you know, they're going to go, Burrow. It, it's just well, the way let, that let, the franchise is. Let me ask you this Would you take Chase Young and Phillip Rivers over Joe Burrow? Because that might change the conversation a little bit. I absolutely would. You know, if I'm sitting in that room and I'd love that, I'd be like, hey, man, I just got a call from Iowa from my bud Jargo. Listen to this idea, guys. It's going to blow everybody away. Let's throw the money on this. I'd rather have Philip Rivers here. For like, you know, two, three years. Yeah. Let's game for two, three years. Uh, we'll keep an eye on these other quarterbacks here in this draft or, you know, somebody that's kind of obscure off this board. Well, Let's look into it. Plus, we're going to stink next year, too. So, you know, we got a real good chance of getting Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think, you know, you get young in here, you upgrade this defense. You're talking about a five, six win season, which would be a drastic improvement over what we've seen this year. Yeah. And if you could make that move, absolutely. Uh, Now, my mind was going towards, you know, in what what we've seen repeatedly and what I know from my just life of being a Bengals fan is – you know, the heartbreak and disappointment that you see routinely from this team is they're going to, you know, we're getting broke. This is the pick. We're going to be hot on this. You know, they're looking for that short term. They're looking for that financial success there, the attention they're going to get. And they're, and then they'll worry about the failures later in trying to regroup there. I would still entertain the idea if you could get Rivers, get him in here for two, two years, maybe with an option for a third. Guarantee him to start this first year. Um, you got him locked down on the second one. If, if you if he wants out, then you, you, the way you structure that thing would be so tricky. You know, we'll pay you on that back end too. We'll let you out if you want, uh, but we would need you to come in here and mentor him because you cannot throw him out there to those wolves. In a way that everything is looking, drafting a quarterback right now at that number one spot, Dalton's gone. 
who's going to mentor this kid? You cannot have him run out there day one. And here's this family that we've got sitting there. He's not prepared in any way to take the reins while Burroughs is sitting over there learning from absolutely no one. Right. Um, how about these other three? Would you take the same deal? So you'd get Chase Young and this quarterback, or would you rather have Joe Burrow? Jameis Winston. Uh, yeah, I would, absolutely. Marcus Mariota. Mariota, maybe not so much. I mean, that would be on the on my back end of it. Uh, I really like the Winston one. I, you know, I think the energy. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get week for week with him, but he is he is a dynamic <laughs> athlete. He I mean, like, still he could still hit thirty and thirty. I think he's got twenty four interceptions right now. All we need is like a three four pick game out of Jameis this week, and we are on pace for thirty touchdowns and thirty yeah, interceptions. Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, look, last week we're sitting here dogging, and we're talking about. I mean, one week you're Superman, and then he just. I mean, he, like Bizarro World, you know. Yeah. It's not. Game. It's not illogical that Jameis Winston would throw four interceptions in one game. Like this is a real possibility yeah, to get I to know. thirty and thirty. But then this past week, he goes out there, and goes off. Looks like one of the premier players in the league, you know? Like, he should be in the MVP running. Dude, if I, if I was, like, playing fantasy football, like, hardcore, I would do whatever I could to get Jameis Winston. Because, you know, this week he might have, like, you know, 15, 16 points. But next week he's no. going to have, like, 45. No. Jugger, I, I know how you are into your fantasy football. You shouldn't be anywhere near Jameis Winston because you'll have to start drinking again. You'll well, I got Jared Goff right now, and that, that ain't doing me a whole lot of good. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think – I know this team. I know this franchise. And I think anybody, you bring him in into a fresh atmosphere, something that's going to be a little bit different to him, it can excite the fans. You're going to have a mobile quarterback, a guy that's going to make some big plays for you. And, yeah, it's not a bad team. He's going to let you down at times. He's going to have those stinkers. Uh, but, you know, he's he's going to get into the culture of the city. He's going to be able to move merchandise. I think he'll move tickets for you. And at the same time, you're excusing yourself from not going out and getting the big, sexy quarterback that everybody wanted. But, oh, yeah, you just bolstered your defense. And we're talking about a defense that now is one of the best in the league. Now, this one seems like a no-brainer, but you have to take Kansas City weather into consideration. He doesn't have the greatest arm. He's not as fast as he used to be. But would you take Teddy Two Gloves and Chase Young over Marcus Murray or over um, Burrow, Joe Burrow? Clearly, you would take him over Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mar- Mariota's still at the bottom of my list here, but you know, it's Teddy Two Gloves is an interesting one when you figure in the weather. I know you've got to take in that weather. You're outdoors. Cincinnati is, you know, up and down, harsh winters. You know, very hot early in the season and all that. And I still think, you know, a lot of people are high. I mean, rightfully so. He performed excellent. You know, he had some matchable performances out there. Uh, but again, you know, I chalked that up to a system and a coach. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, I'm afraid he ends up in Detroit. That terrifies me. If Teddy Bridgewater gets to play in a dome in Detroit, watch the fuck out. That 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 sincerely worries well, me. Well, you know, there I think he's he's got eight games inside the dome. Uh-huh. Uh, Another four games in good weather. Well, and then another four good weather. And well, and then I think he becomes a nightmare for Minnesota. Yep. Uh, but then look out when he's, hey, that, he's probably hoping that those road games are earlier in the year when he's got to go to Soldier and Lambo. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. Uh, speaking of Soldier and Lambo, that's a great segue. Because I, I heard this stat earlier this week, and Rick, I'm starting to wonder does home field even matter anymore? 
because we have seen so many road teams do so well this year. Let's say, does home field even matter? Does it even matter where these games are being played? Does it matter where these teams fall inside of the playoff bracket anymore? Like, is anybody scared to go into Lambeau anymore? Like, am I supposed to be scared to go into that new big stadium out in San Francisco? Is Jerry World supposed to scare me? Does home field even matter? What I think what's more telling about this thing is, you know, as each week we sit down and we do hashtag HDM sports pick them. You, know, you look at something, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I know Seattle, I mean, they're good. They're hot right now, but they got to go all the way down to Tampa. Right. You know, it, you know they got to go cross country or like if you take, uh, you know, let's go like, a couple years ago uh, when the Browns were looking at going 0-16. And I called it weeks beforehand. I said, nope, they're going to win one game. It's going to be on Christmas Eve because then the San Diego Chargers are going to have to leave lovely San Diego and fly to shitty Cleveland on Christmas Eve where they don't want to be. They're leaving paradise to to come to like. Philip Rivers has 823 kids. Yeah. And they have to to spend the holiday in Cleveland. You're going to jury places like that. I mean, that used to be a great home field advantage that you have. And now that seems to have all just dissipated. Like, that doesn't matter anymore. And that lends towards this, you know, that we're seeing the disappearance of this home field advantage. It really reminds it reminds me of going into pro wrestling about how the fans and you look at these audiences and we were to bring back up the Chargers and, you know, who's filling their stadium. Like, we don't know, you know, who we're cheering for and who we're building at these games. Right. It's kind of kind of crazy. Mean, I go down, you know, you go down, if you see when the Niners were down there in New Orleans, I mean, there was, you know, a third of that was Niner fans. Well, this week, the Atlanta Falcons fly all the way across the freaking country. They, their time zone change is what? Three, four hours. They go into San Francisco and score two touchdowns in the final five fucking seconds. Like (laughs) what the, what? There's no way that the Atlanta Falcons were flying across the country and going into old candlestick park and putting up two touchdowns in the final five seconds. Matt Ryan wouldn't have been able to think for himself. It would have been so freaking loud inside a candlestick, but inside of this new like giant ass stadium where nobody can hear anything. And we've got microphones for all the players and the coaches can talk directly into the freaking quarterbacks headsets. They don't have to get the hand signals and shit. They don't get loud. You know, when it comes, to like third down and three it's does it even matter like who cares where the games are especially when you're looking at the vegas odds this week against the spread road teams nine and six for the season they're 125 93 and five 32 games over 500 for the road teams this year well you know you know we're revolving towards here i mean we've got so much you know technology electronics involved inside the game it was like last week we were talking about removing the human element from officiating. I mean, how long till we just have esports everywhere? If you guys are just, or, you know, playing from home or a remote location. You talk about awful officiating. Did you see that play from the freaking Bears and Packers game? I mean, that I I'm a Packers fan, and I was like, Chicago just got screwed. First quarter, like opening drive, just absolutely absurd. Freaking Cordero Patterson comes flying up on a punt, knocks Traymond Williams clear out of the playoffs. I mean, like, that dude sincerely thinks it's five weeks from now. 
He got hit so goddamn hard, he didn't know what in the hell happened. The Bears pick up the ball. They could have ran it back for a touchdown very easily, but no, instead, the play is blown dead. They throw a flag. In fact, I think they called two penalties, one for uh, interfering with the catcher of the punt and one for hitting him so fucking hard that the Packers get the ball at the 35-yard line. Two plays later, Rodgers throws a fucking touchdown, and the game's basically over. The Bears' spirit is just broken right then in the first quarter, and if it's not for the, the most insane lateral play that you've ever seen in your life, the Bears damn near won that fucking game up at Lambeau. Yeah, again, you know, their case Green Bay coming out strong here, and it seems when they, they go to, you know, close the door there, they just they put their foot in front of it or something. You know what it uh, is? They're having trouble right now closing these games. The first drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half, they're out of sight. When they're on the script, they're out of sight. As soon as they got to start actually calling plays, it all goes to hell. Very, very interesting. Yeah, just more awful officiating. Rodgers, 19-5 and five now against Chicago for his career. Houston and Tennessee... Houston wins 24-21 behind Carlos Hyde's 104 yards. They play again in Week 17. Um, Rick, I, the Houston Texans are just weird. Like the, the Houston Texans are that team that if they get into the playoffs, you know that they can beat anybody, or they can go out and just get blown out by 40. Yeah, I mean, this entire division itself, it reminds me a little bit of going over. I mean, obviously, they have winning records, so they're, I mean, that's a positive. But it reminds me of the NFC East. As soon as you think of a team that's going to start pulling away with this thing or they're catching fire, I mean, they absolutely just fall apart in front of you. And we're seeing this week to week here. I feel say, I feel about both of these teams. You know, whichever one's going to be able to emerge from this division, you know, I, I don't want to run into them, especially you know, with one of them being able to host a, a playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, I feel the same way about Dallas. Dallas puts up 44 on the Rams this week. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, Dallas is really good. They could beat anybody. Well, you know what it all comes down to? Ezekiel Elliott, 117 yards, two touchdowns, and he only played three quarters. Then they bring in Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard goes for 131 yards if you include in his 44-yard run. And Todd Gurley, 11 carries for 20 yards. Yeah, I'm not surprised Dallas beat the Rams 44-21 to with those stats. That, I mean... And just, you know, on the other side of the coin there, I mean, just a terrible outing. For the Rams, who you know, we've been saying this week and week, and they're playing for their livelihood now, and it's it's essentially done for them. I mean, they, but still, they still mathematically, mathematically, they have a chance, but I mean, it, it's got it's some crazy. But they still put up twenty one on Dallas. Like, wasn't that Dallas defense supposed to be good? They still put up twenty one on them. Yeah, they got blown out, but they still put up twenty one. Doesn't make sense. Neither does the Falcons. 29-22 over San Francisco. Two touchdowns in five seconds. I, I don't even know how that happened. Two touchdowns in five seconds. There was also like two overturned plays within about well, eight seconds. Yeah, all the, all the controversy going back to New York to correct calls, to, to figure out what's going on in this field. I mean, it was an absolute. You talk about overbooking. TLC was a, was a total mess at the end of that game. I mean, this is like holding my beer. Yeah, but more importantly, this knocked the 49ers out of that number one seed, and now suddenly Seattle is the number one seed inside of the NFC. Um, Rick, it's not on your run, but we got to talk about it. The Browns lose again. Reports that Freddie Kitchens is going to stay on next season. You've got players, when they make a big play, going over to the Arizona sideline and saying, Come get me! 
get me the hell out of Cleveland. We're also hearing reports now that OBJ wants the hell out of Cleveland. I mean, what what do we do with the Cleveland Browns at this point? Well, I mean, do you blow well, this whole earlier, thing up? Earlier, I mean, just earlier today, and you can't go back to that well again and again, year in year out. I mean, you have to stay. You have to stay one direction for at least a couple of years here. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. coming out earlier today. I can't remember the exact interview he was involved with, but he said, no, he said, you know what? I, I want to tell everyone I'm I prepared to stay here, made this commitment. Uh, you know, this was in the back of our mind. We got so much talent here, you know, that everyone was a little too excited. We, we are going to get this thing right. Uh, absolutely devastating, devastating to see them, you know, make that trip out there to Arizona and just absolutely get manhandled by a team. That's just not very good that they, that they should have went in there and rolled. No, the only thing good about the Arizona Cardinals is Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray is fun to watch. He reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson, you know, like that offensive line stinks, but somehow Kyler Murray is still making plays. I want to, you know, real quick back to the Niners here to pull up their schedule. You know, they, they fall out, fall out of that top seed. They've lost control of the West. Yeah. Uh, and absolutely, and absolutely look at the schedule coming up here. They've got the Rams at home right now. And as I said, I mean, the Rams, it's, it's a long, long, long shot. Absolutely for them to get in, but again, help. I mean, they they have to win and they need tons of help. But they're gonna be they're gonna be playing with everything they've got. So they got the Rams this week, and then you know, then you go to Seattle, that big Week Seventeen showdown at where it's Seattle. All on the line. At Seattle, but again, like is going to Seattle? It's like it's not nearly as scary as it was even five years ago. It's not, but that's not. We're talking about those road games and all that, and we're talking about right now, even late in the season, out of the division games and all that. This is this is a legit game, and this goes back to when they met in San Francisco. You know, at that time we had this discussion. You know, is this the Niners coming out party? And even though they were rocking it well, and they were, you know, everything on all discussions, everything on paper, they were the by far superior team. You know, I made the statement then, you know, this is still the Seattle Seahawks division. It still runs through them, and it absolutely holds true to that. It runs through Seattle, literally. And you want to talk about you can't hear an audience, you don't have a home field advantage. That is not going to be the case up there in Seattle come week 17 when these two teams strap it up to throw down. A couple other big games going down this week. The Bills are at the Patriots. Um Rick, this is not nearly as exciting as people think it's going to be because even if the Bills win this game, the Patriots are still going to win the division because week 17, they play against the Dolphins and they will have a better record inside of the division than the Buffalo Bills do, even when the Bills beat the Jets. So if these two teams finish tied, the Patriots are still going to win the division. It seems like it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. Yeah, but if you were looking at those building blocks and you're the Buffalo Bills and you're trying to break into that upper card. You know, oh, this agreed. is a statement game. You know, you realize you never know what could happen though. I mean, hell you got, you got new England going against Miami. There's yeah, but no, it's in no new England. That, I, I understand that, but it's more so on the road, but overall there's no team that gives them more fits for some reason than the Miami Dolphins. And you could have the, the Miami miracle and Foxborough if you will. I and mean, it gives the Buffalo Bills, you know, the AFC East championship. It could happen. But if you're the Buffalo Bills, that's not your mindset. Your mindset is the task at hand, the team standing in front of you. And, and that is the biggest boulder for that entire division. The biggest mountain for them all to topple is the New England Patriots. If they could take care of that, that this late in the season, 
I mean, that is going to speak volumes for that franchise and give them such energy, no matter how the rest of this year plays out for them. I mean, obviously, they, it's going to propel them into the postseason. But even if they get eliminated at that wild card round, they have those tremendous building blocks as they go forward into next season. Yeah, and there's another one of these instances coming up as well. Uh, you mentioned Rams at Niners, Dallas at Philly going down this week. Um Rick, this is basically going to be which one of these teams is going to the playoffs. Next week, Dallas has Washington at Dallas. The Eagles go to the Giants, which could be a little bit rougher game than Redskins at Cowboys, but I would expect them both to win next week. So it's basically, this is a loser leaves town match. Well, this actually, this is something I wanted to bring up. I was looking into this one. This is pretty interesting. Um, It kind of comes down to this, as you're saying, it comes down to this match this week. Yep. If if Philly wins, for Philly to win this thing, they have to win the next two games. They can't let down. If Philly would win this game and then lose next week, Dallas would win it. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, just the, the when you get into the rules and tiebreakers, a lot of it gets yeah. very, very bad. If, if, Philly, if Philly wins out, obviously getting that win over Dallas, they win no matter what Dallas does in that last week. It right. gives them the edge. Uh, but you know, if Dallas wins, it's over. Even if, you know, if they lose, they, Dallas could still win this thing. If Philly would lose next week at the giants, the new Eli miracle. Yeah. Could happen. Which, you know, which, you know, they gave, they gave Eli a tremendous, uh, ovation, mm-hmm. uh, potentially believing that would be his last game there, but he could come back for that last hurrah. And, you know, you're talking about ruining a season there and a way and to go magic. out. You betcha. Uh, Kansas City at Chicago. I think that's a big game for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm very interested to see what version of the Chicago Bears shows up for that game. And then also inside of the North, we have Green Bay at Minnesota. Uh, And Rick, this is that other game where Green Bay is going to win this division. Uh, When you look at the division records, even if Minnesota beats Green Bay, Green Bay goes to Detroit take them to Detroit on week 17. uh, No Matthew Stafford. He's out with basically a broken back at this point. The Packers should go into Detroit, take care of business. It wouldn't surprise me if that's another one of these games where there's more Packers fans than there is Lions fans actually at that game. Well, you know, the vision record wise, you're looking at Minnesota's behind by two games here. Yep. So you would need that swing for the tiebreaker. Right. And the Vikings have Chicago coming to town week 17. They should take care of Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears there. But, of course, you know, the Bears would love to go in there and just ruin their season. Well, you know, that's what makes it so intriguing is how they structure these schedules where you do have with with these divisions, you know, just outside of, you know, the pure pride of playing spoiler is there's built-in tradition and history. Uh, You know, if if the – you know, if the Green Bay gets gotten this week and, you know, going into 17, there's nothing more than the Lions would like to, to ruin everything for them. Yeah, but even if the Lions play their best game and the Packers play their worst game, I still think Green Bay wins that game. Like, I just think the Lions are that bad. Is Matt Patricia back next year? That, that's that I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Yeah, that, that, that one could get interesting. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, Mad bum. 
Yeah, Madison Bumgardner. He is now an Arizona Diamondback. Rick, nobody really saw this one coming. Five years, $85 million for 30-year-old Madison Bumgardner. And that Huckleberry is worthy of the Balls of the Week award for the Diamondbacks general manager, Mike Hazen. Balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. This revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their perfect package 2.0, which makes this the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer that you use on your face that you're using on your balls. As Lacey Evans would say, that's just nasty. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your pits, why aren't you putting it on your stinky balls? Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I'm thankful for the Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products, they smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The perfect package also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day long. It's time to upgrade and get over those used pair of boxer briefs. It tis the season to Manscaped. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, your co-workers, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use our promo code Stevie20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Stevie20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Promo code Stevie20. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Yeah, your balls of the week brought to you by manscaped.com. 20% off. Use our code, Stevie20. Huckleberry, I cannot believe this deal. I cannot believe that he got a five-year, $85 million deal. The last three seasons, this is this is just what Arizona didn't think this thing through. All right? It depends on which set of stats that you look at when it comes to Madison Bumgardner. The last three years, he has a 2.67 ERA in San Francisco. When he's not pitching in that ballpark... 4.61 on the road. Rick, every game's going to be a road game for him. Can, can Madison Bumgardner pitch outside of San Francisco? Well, I think you got to look at the surroundings, the environment. You know, don't we have similar dimensions in the stadiums there? You, you, you've got. Yeah, but the sun glare and everything. Pattern, There's something about that. Say, I, actually don't, I actually don't think any of those comparisons all kind of equal up. I actually looked at them. <laughs> you look at the weather, uh, you know, the dry heat of the desert to, you know, the. the ups and downs, the rain of the bay there. Uh, this is going to be very interesting to watch on behalf of the Diamondbacks, and I think overall uh, a masterful job done by his agent. Yeah, I agree. His last two seasons, he's been shortened by injury. Uh, 2017, 4-9 and nine with a 3.32 ERA. 2018, 6-7 with a 3.26 ERA. For his career, 119-92. and 92. 
I actually thought that his record would be better than that. 119 and 92, and a 3.31, or a 3.13, excuse me, ERA for his career. Uh, let's talk about another pitcher changing uh, scenery. Corey Kluber. Yeah, right there, Cincinnati, or Cleveland, right? Yeah, he went from the Indians to the Rangers, your 2017 Cy Young Award winner. In 2018, I want to say he got third in the voting. Uh, so Huckleberry, the Rangers, they're putting together a rotation down there. Last season, they used 19 different starters to make it through the season. This year, it's going to look like this. Mike Miner, Lance Lynn, Kluber, Kyle Gibson, Jordan Lyles, and then they've got Colby Allard, Brooke Burke, and Ariel Gerardo on call inside of the bullpen. So the Rangers, they think that the answer to this entire AL West is to put together a pitching staff. Then you have the AL champion Houston Cheaters, I mean Astros. And then you've got the always tough Oakland Athletics with their money ball bullshit. you got the Anaheim Angels going out and they, they get Joe Madden to come in and coach the team. And then they go and they pick up Anthony Rendon, who had a ridiculous World Series for the Nationals. He's now an Angel. They're spending some money out there the al west is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch this year well yeah, i think what you're seeing there is so many teams were kind of holding off they they knew uh you know obviously you always got money ball in the play where they, they can remain or give that illusion that they're competitive uh but you look at how the astros were set up and they were going to spend for all those years you know they'd set themselves up save 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 making that switch from the nl to the al to make these great runs uh, now it seems, you know, they're losing some of those key components that had taken them to the World Series. And you can kind of judge those out. So if you're other, there's other teams, you're sitting in the weeds and you're waiting to make your move. Uh, and that's kind of what, what we're seeing. Yeah, I, th- I think that AL West is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, let's talk a little bit of NBA before we uh, give out the locks here for this week. Uh, Rick, Thursday night, I was all excited. It's going to be Lakers at Milwaukee. Both of these teams on insane winning streaks. And then Milwaukee goes out and they lose to the freaking Mavericks without Luka Dantich, which is just bizarre to me. And then last night, the Lakers go and they get beat by the Indiana Pacers. Now, granted, Anthony Davis did not play. Kyle Kuzma did not play in that game. And they lost at the last second. Okay, cool. I can get past that. But suddenly... Thursday night isn't nearly as sexy to me. I wanted to see both these teams come in on a winning streak, and instead we're going to have one of them lose oh, two games in a row. No, no, I, I absolutely, I think that adds to the intrigue here. You got that wounded, you know, the hurtful pride from your two top dogs in your conferences here, both sitting 24 wins, four losses, so equal, so dominant performance here in the, you know, the first quarter of the season. They have to overcome adversity, but only one can emerge. I mean, that's your story point here. This game has still got legs under it. It's still hot. It's still going to be a major sell for this league. Let's talk about Kevin Love. Uh, we talked about Kluber getting out of Cleveland. It seems like Kevin Love might be on his way out of Cleveland, too. Um, the trade deadline is is approaching. Rick, is Kevin Love going to be able to be traded off of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Is anybody going to take Kevin Love? Well, we heard that uh, LeBron's already making phone calls. He's interested to having him out there in L.A. Okay, but here's the problem. And, and I just made, I totally made that up. This, this is the same thing that's going on with Chris Paul because I'm hearing Chris Paul is on the trade block as well. And nobody's going to take Chris Paul. 
because Chris Paul's contract is ridiculous. And so is Kevin Love's. This season, he's owed $29 million. Next year, $31 million. The year after that, $31 million. And then the year after that, another $29 million. Like, I like Kevin Love as a player, but I don't like Kevin Love that much as a player. And I absolutely think on this, you know, this is a lot of buyer's remorse. Uh, this is one of those things, you know, a nice shiny toy you got. You know, if you're Kevin Love and you would have been able to retain LeBron at this point, you still think that this dynasty that you have built is still going to be rocking and rolling. That's tremendous, right? I mean, that's what you were hoping for. Now when you're relying on, you're looking at your salary and you're looking at your roster and right there at the top is Kevin Love and you're looking at production and you look over here and, oh, we're uh, six wins. Hey, that's two better than where they were last year at this time. So I guess that is an improvement. Uh, but it, <laughs> But is that, is that worth your dime? But it's one of those things you just go out there and you list online. You, you hit eBay. You hit the the Facebook yard sales, marketplaces, whatever it might be, just hoping that there's somebody out there that will bite on this thing. And that's the case of a lot of these players that we're going to see uh, these rumors being floating around. And, of course, of course, you're going to these teams are going to be their phones are going to be ringing off the hook. But they're going to be low ball offers left and right, just seeing if they'll do anything uh, to eat some of the things to unload this, I'll give you. That. I'll give you an expiring contract and a third round pick for Kevin Love. Like that's how bad this contract is. Yeah, and as I sit here and, and look at the teams that are, and I, it's, you know, as I say, are still in contention. We're a quarter way into this thing. I, I don't know of any of them if he improves their chances. I mean, who is going to be better? Tomorrow, if you trade for Kevin Love today, man, mm. uh, it won't be Milwaukee. It's not Philadelphia. It's not Boston. Miami. I guess you could make a case if you pair him up with Jimmy Butler. Uh, Toronto isn't. Indiana is not going to pay that kind of money. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets obviously don't have that kind of money. Uh, the Magic, maybe, but I mean, they're the number eight team in the East right now at twelve and right. fifteen. Yeah, and as I kind of look, people that were maybe being contention, you know, maybe Detroit. Yeah, maybe. And on the West, I mean, uh, Phoenix. He, possibly? he would he would do wonders in Chicago, but I just I don't see that move happening for one reason or another. Um, I think he might be a nice fit and draw in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, looking at the West, um, he's not going to the Lakers or Clippers. You, you, I, I could just rule that out just because of the money. Uh, the Mavericks, I could see him bringing him in, it, depending on Luka's ankle and how long he's going to be out. Uh, not so much the Nuggets, certainly not the Houston Rockets. Um, Utah, he would be absolutely miserable. Oklahoma City is trying to sell rather than buy. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, if I, I think I would rather stay in Cleveland. Uh, Portland, I don't know how much cap space they have after bringing Mello in, even though I assume that was just a veteran's minimum. Phoenix is kind of an interesting team. Minnesota is an interesting team. San Antonio, I don't see it working. Memphis could be fun if you're going to pair him up with Ja Morant. That could be interesting. And I guess, you know, you're looking at the retention and you're looking at some of these bottom ones. You know, I mentioned Minnesota that jumps out to me. Memphis is also obviously there, but you're looking at teams that are that are so subpar 500. I mean, you're not going to get really anything value of it from this year, except maybe to gel and mesh, maybe excite your fan base a little bit, move some ticks, move some merch. 
But I mean, if, if you're these teams and you're going to make a commitment like that, then you've got to have a full game plan moving forward. I mean, we're talking yeah. hopefully next year, maybe two years. And is the investment worth that? Yeah. What Min- is your ROI on this? Minnesota, San Antonio and Memphis, all with only 10 wins. Uh, so they're not looking good there. Uh, New Orleans would be fun, but I don't think Kevin Love would necessarily fit into that team. Uh, and Golden State. I mean, that would be a Golden State move, wouldn't it? Like, we'll give you an expiring contract and a second round pick for Kevin Love. And somehow they get Kevin Love on that freaking team. And next year, you know, they've got Steph Curry and they've got Clay Thompson and they've got Draymond Green and they've and got he, Kevin yeah, Love. Comes, and, yeah, he just comes in to be this incredible fifth, sixth man for them. <laughs> right. Yeah, like that yeah, would yeah, be yeah. such a Golden State move. You got a, you got a former guy that was in like MVP talks, all star, multiple time all star, somehow world champion. Somehow they talk Cleveland into like paying at least half of that contract for the next three years. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's such a a Golden State move. God damn it, I kind of see they, that happening now. Yeah, I mean, as you, we talk through it, that makes sense. But going back to New Orleans, you, you talk about yeah, how the hell would that work out? It reminds me of the Chappelle show the mad real world (laughs) well i mean if you look at it this way like playing with the new orleans pelicans at least the way i think the new orleans pelicans should be playing basketball kevin love would just play defense because he wouldn't be able to make it back down the floor in time to actually be part of the offense the way that i think that the pelicans should be playing i'm just picturing i'm picturing down there in new orleans and uh you know love just walks into the room and his girlfriend's sitting there on a big bottle's lap I had sex with Katie. And then Zion comes in. Like, I had sex with Katie too. That's tremendous. Let's throw it over to the locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell yeah. Oh, Huckleberry, there's only a couple more weeks that we got to do this. What do you think? Do you got your locks for the week? I do. Let me go back and pull them up here. I don't Let like my whip. locks this week. Let me whip this one out. I don't like my locks this week at all. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off here. I, I'm a little excited. I'm excited for this week in the NFL because Sunday or Saturday football is back. I used to love that throughout, you know, when we were growing up, man. You, you get late in the year where you don't have the college football, the regular season and all that. You got some of the, the lesser bowl games. Uh, so they moved some of the games Saturday. That was always a, a highlight when I was growing up. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the first game on Saturday, kick it off. I still got them on the board here. Put, just putting over that we would welcome him here in Cincinnati warm arms. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Houston Texans. Oh, that's just awful. I hate that. All right. Who, who's your other lock? Where the hell did I have it at? I do like that Los Angeles at San Francisco being a primetime game on Saturday night. Looking forward to that. Three good games on Saturday. Right, and then I was, uh, as I look here at just who is remaining on my board, uh, getting into the nitty gritty, I do got a couple good teams saved up for next week, uh, but for this week, I'm going to go with the upstart, the upstart company of uh, the crew from South Park, the Washington Redskins, oh. defeating the, the New York Giants. Yeah, I I could see that. I could see that. So as I, I'm looking at how I traditionally do my locks here, and I take you know whoever's playing Cleveland and whoever's playing Chicago, and I I, I do kind of like both of those teams this week. Um, outside of that, man, uh, just looking at this slate of games, 
there it's just not a whole lot of good games this week. I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts at home against the Carolina Panthers. I don't trust that in any way, shape, or form. And I'm going to take the Detroit Lions going in after I talked all that shit about the Detroit Lions. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions going into Denver to take on the Broncos because I think the Broncos are just an absolute mess. Very nice, very nice. Two good picks. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform that you may not be listening to, whether it be the Hitting the Marks feed at hittingthemarks.com or Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Huckleberry and I will be on a little bit later on this week for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Of course, you can catch us Mondays in the locker room at Hacker Hameen. Until then, you can find me across all social media at NotJargo. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, and, you know, fuck it, man, the Cleveland Browns, because, you know, they're going to be looking for a head coach. They might as well hire the real RBV. We can add that to your uh, list of accolades at the top of the show. Well, uh, Friday kicks it all off. We're getting ready to go bowling. Hashtag HGF Sports goes bowling. That's on ESPN Fantasy. Make sure to look us up there, or you can find a direct link on Facebook at the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. It is also available over on Facebook in the Hami Media Discussion Groups. You can follow those links. Make sure you get signed up. Join in with all the great minds. You know, put your skills to the test against the best. Find me, Rick Victor, across all social media platforms at the real RBV. We'll talk to you later on for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Katie had some big old titties. Ah!